The wait is over. Over. Tell everyone you know. This is the key to your weekend. You're listening to Three Grams and a Mic podcast live from Australia. A new perspective on professional sports with your hosts, Cal, Axel, and Cotto. Click, listen, and enjoy. Merry Christmas, everybody. This is Graham Cotton. I'm from Three Grams and a Mic, and with me is Graham Kelly. And on the phone, we have Axel Foley. G'day, gentlemen. Good afternoon, gentlemen. G'day, gentlemen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, hopefully I've got half-decent signals for this podcast, but we'll see how we go. Why don't you tell everybody where you are? Well, it's actually the first time I've done this drive. I'm uh, driving from Melbourne to Adelaide, uh, just gone, gone through Horsham, coming up to Border Town. There's quite a lot of wheat around. There's wheat on both sides of the road, so there's big properties down this way, but it is very dry. They're talking about a, a wet summer, and I reckon they're going to need it down here because it is very dry. Uh, yeah. I can see why they can see why they have lots of fires through the branches. Very dry part of the world. It's interesting they haven't um, harvested yet. Yeah, I think I they finished say, here. Yeah, they are. They're good harvests up here. Yeah, no, it's maybe it's, it's a bit later down here because of the climate, maybe. But uh, yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot of wheat. Mm. Oh well, good for good for it if they can get rid of it. That's the only other thing is, can they get rid of it? You, you know, is the demand enough in Australia at the moment? Yeah. Mm. Why they can they can store wheat. That's the good thing. They don't need to get rid of it straight away. They store yeah. it for a period of time. Yeah, that's true. So, is there any truth, Axel, that um, in the rumor that you've actually moved out of the state until COVID disappears again, just so you can no. c- continue no, your jet, jet-setting but, lifestyle? Kaylee kicked me out of home. It's nothing to do with COVID. She wanted to. She wanted to get. She, she's hoping COVID hits Adelaide when I get there, so I've got to. I can't get back home. What's the, what's the New South Wales borders closed? It's amazing what you say yeah, when exactly. you're out of the out of the um out of Griffith, mate. You wouldn't have said that if you were here. <laughs> Especially when we're in the uh, Jones Towers of um, Eribus. And now you're in the Kelly Tower. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, mate, uh, is it true you're also driving a Bentley? <laughs> Where are these rumours coming from? Uh, they're everywhere, especially when it comes to you. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to the, the news, guys. So breaking news, uh, whilst we're away, um, we'll talk a bit. There's a fair bit of cricket that's been going on and the first test between Australia and India has commenced. Um, the first test of the summer actually is a day-night pink ball test in Adelaide. And um, so far, the honours in the ODI is 2-1 to Australia and the T20 is 2-1 to India. So it's set it up beautifully. Uh, the game was pretty pretty tight. Australia ended up going with Wade and Burns as openers. And the current state of play is, Kel? Um, Australia have just bowled India out in the second dig for their lowest score ever. 36, which is also the lowest score ever in a test match at the Adelaide Oval. And by India. Yes, correct. <clears throat> and they're chasing, Australia now chasing only 85 for victory. Real turn of events. Uh, I think uh, I would have said uh, at the end of first day of play or second day of play, India were in front. Oh, you would have you got 250 on Australia last night. Well, glad you didn't bet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, was, I was actually hoping to go to the cricket tomorrow, but I think that's just being dashed because yeah. it's going to be over in about an hour or so. Yeah, I'd say so. And um, one of the Indian bowlers had his uh, uh, arm bashed up pretty bad and had to retire hurt. So they're down a bowler trying to defend 85. He may not come back. Well, you never know. Hey, what, what do you reckon of um, them picking Joe Burns? And even Wade for opening, for that matter, guys. Well, it was really, really interesting. It's, um, I've been listening to the radio and, and Tim Payne had put his hand up because he opens for uh, Shield Cricket. Uh, but they they were they were worried that he might, whoever opens, might have to open at the, at the Melbourne Test as well because uh, they're not quite sure whether Warner's going to be fit yet. But they didn't want to put too much pressure on Payne to have to open uh, and wicket creep and captain 
two tests in a row. So that's why that that's why he didn't get the nod. But he said they were very close to just uh, saying that uh, yeah that he'll be the opener. So that was interesting. Yeah, you could have picked anyone, but Burns. Burns couldn't buy a run. He's currently zero off ten balls in the second innings. He just um, as good as he's been over the run. He just looks short of a gallop, though. You know, he just hasn't played that much. But he hasn't scored he has, many runs he ever, has he? Had, he had two games against the Indians in the lead-up. Hadn't got any runs in Shield cricket. Yeah. I just... Um, just hopelessly out of form. Marcus Harris. I mean, yeah. I know it's nice to have right left hand, but you can't you can't pick a guy who's just not scoring runs. And how long since Wade's yeah. opened, and if ever, for Australia? He's never opened for Australia. There you go. Wow. It was a big call. Yeah. I don't. They're running out of options, though. You know, Bukowski was down. I think the ninth uh, concussion yeah. in a short period of time in his young life. Yeah, Usman Kawaja, Sean Marsh, yeah. Marcus Harris, Sean um, Marsh, thirty-seven-year-old come back. It's got to be better. Open. If he deserves yeah. his spot over Burns, then he deserves his spot. Um, yeah, I would have picked Harris over over Burns. I think yeah. personally. I think yeah. I think the only way Burns can hold his spot now is to be to be not out. Um, at the, at the end of play and, and be, you know, you know, 30 or 40 not out. That is the only way I think he's survived. Oh, I, I think they'll stick with him if they win. I do. I, oh. Well, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I think if Warner comes back in, I think, well, oh. maybe he may start next way. Well, it, what about if Pekofsky is available? Mm, it's an interesting question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I don't think Wade's an opener either, to be honest. No, no, neither way. So, what, what do you do? Do you keep Cameron Green in as well? Which means you've got to probably drop one of Wade or Travis Head? Uh, an interesting one. I think I think Green's probably the future. And by all reports, with the 10 or 12 overs that he bowled, he was, he was a very good support for the three teams. So, mm. I, think, I think to have an all-rounder in the side is, is a good thing. And that's what Australia's probably lacked because uh, Mitchell Marsh hasn't, you know, has never hit his straps. I don't believe in that position. So I, I reckon they should sit with Green. Oh, I, I agree. I'd play both Green and Pekofsky at the risk of being a little inexperienced, but yep. you could be setting yep. yourself up for the next decade. So yep. Melbourne Test uh, coming up, I believe, Boxing Day. Is that right, Kel? Uh Yes. Yeah, and, what, and the next game's in Sydney. Ooh. Will it go ahead? Uh, it's not scheduled for Avalon Cricket Ground, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. Uh, at this stage, they're, uh, they're saying it's going ahead. And that, uh, it'll, whether they have a crowd or not, another thing. Interesting, during the week, uh, Shane Warne talked about the, that every test match should now have a pink ball rather than a red uh, kookaburra because uh, the ball seems to move a little bit more. Well, the red ball doesn't move it hardly at all. You know when, when you can tell that Warney's going to come up with a crazy idea? Yeah, every, uh, every night, talk? actually. His yeah. lips are moving. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, Shane, I reckon you'd party just as hard as Shane Warren, just quietly. <laughs> anyway, uh, during the week also, Tim Zhu fought Bowen Morgan at the Bankwest uh, Stadium and uh, and knocked him out the first round. Sue did, and he's now the holder of the WO, WBO, sorry, Global and IBF Australian Australasian Super Welterweight titles. In the lead-up to the fight, uh, in the lead-up, the fight was upgraded to world title eliminated, meaning that Zhu will now have the opportunity to fight for the world junior middleweight title with either belt holder Patrick Texera from Brazil or number one challenger Brian Castro of Argentina. And I uh, also heard that it could be in Australia because of all the COVID that's going on overseas. So it'll be interesting to watch that. Well, if Cotto heard wow. it, it could be on. <laughs> that was by a promoter, of course. Uh, that's that's pretty exciting. Um, you know, Australia's got some good young boxers, and he's obviously at the top of the list. Um, mm. Yeah, that's that's really exciting. And I, uh, you know, if I had to pick, and twenty twenty has been a funny year for sport, but if you had to pick, probably a, a highlight for me to be um, the way Zoo's performed this year, and uh, yeah. you know, I. I didn't. I didn't back him to beat um, uh, what's his name Horn, Jeff Horn. Jeff, Jeff Horn. I thought Jeff Horn would have beat him. He's come out and beat him, and now he's knocked over this guy in the first round and gets a shot of the title. So that's that's probably the, the highlight of sport for the year. I reckon. For 
Yeah, I'm probably with you. I, I um I reckon uh, the rise of Zoo. He, he's better than I thought he was. The the, no, the, people, the girls went on the oh go on sorry a lot of people, lot of people didn't uh, you know thought he was riding off the back of the golf man's name but he's true but that's not the case so. you'd have to yeah, put no. you'd have to put the girls winning the World Cup up there as well yeah and, and probably the other one you'd put up there is Collingwood not winning the flag <laughs> <laughs> now my my biggest moment would be apart from signing Trent Barrett for the Bulldogs, was um, that the Australian soccer won now the rights to host the female World Cup soccer very shortly. I can't remember what year, 2023? Something yeah. like that. So that'll be a massive, massive event and great for the sport for women's soccer. Will Sam Kerr still be yeah. around, around that 2023, time? Yeah, yeah, should be around. Not that far away. Um, all right. And the other, oh, just in, in boxing also, uh, Gallon beat... Uh, Mark Hunt, MMA legend Mark Hunt, and uh, he's been criticised during the week also, or this weekend, uh, for calling out every MMA fighter or Gallon, yeah, every yeah. other fighter that can't actually fight him because yeah. they're contracted somewhere else, yeah. And uh, a lot of the boxers are saying, Well, come on, fight the the true boxers since you've got such a big mouth, yeah. But I don't think he will, no, I don't think he will either. A bit like Zavara having a zoo after the fight. Lewis Hamilton, while we're away, Lewis Hamilton uh, tested positive for COVID. Uh, he had a couple of weeks off. Um, missed, I, I think he came back for one of the Bahrain or Derby, uh, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi, he missed yeah. Bahrain. Uh, finished third, I think. Um, but, yeah, he had a couple of weeks off. And he said it was the scariest time of, you know, that he's ever had. Mm. Like, it, was mm, really, yeah, really it was good for people to know how bad COVID is. Yeah. It's not just a flu. And he actually criticised a lot of the leaders that have been playing it down. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. Took the opportunity to do that. Um, he's also won his seventh world championship, so he equals uh, Schumacher, I think, wasn't it? Correct. Mm. So, and Mick Schumacher is to follow his father's footsteps, so he's going to move into Formula One next year with Haas. And just today, uh, announcement, you can tell McKayley when you're talking to the next Axel, um, what's his name? Sergio Perez has just taken Albon's seat at Red Bull. It was interesting when Hamilton was out, the standing driver who, mm. who drives for another team came in and did he make pole position? I can't remember. Yeah, but he was pole. The way he, yep. And he was a bit unlucky not to at least get on the podium. Yeah, yeah he blitzed it. Goes it. To show how much, how much is actually the car versus hmm. the driver. I mean, you've got to be a good driver, but I think uh, it would be interesting to get all the top 20 drivers and put them in Hamilton's car to see how they perform, to see how much of it actually is the car. Uh, <coughs> yeah, interesting. And w- wasn't that the original concept of the, the formulas? Like Formula Ford, they all run identical vehicles. Yeah. So you, you get to see who's the best driver. It's all about money now, though, unfortunately. Correct. Yeah. Although well, they're going to put salary like caps the, on it soon, I think. Yeah, but... Yeah, that's be big salary like like, <laughs> like soccer where <coughs> if yeah you, if you got the money you'll have the same teams at the top. Liverpool's still winning, by the way. Uh, no. NBA NBA well, draft. Oh, they're all going oh, yeah, down injured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. NBA draft. Uh, Lamelo Ball, who played here um, he, for Illawarra, just went number three in the NBA draft, and the Aussie Josh Green went number eighteen to Dallas. So that's uh, some news. But other news today. Uh, Aussie billionaire Cannon Brooks just brought a share of the Utah Jazz. So it's only Aussie that's actually a shareholder in, that I'm aware of in the NBA. Probably in any US franchise, I'd yeah. guess. So you must be making bloody. Um, so what about, this is Daniel Alley, Axel, giving you a head into South Australia and talk about the AFL draft. So the AFL draft's been completed for another year. The top selections went pretty much to script uh, as a result of uh, the academy, oh, with very few sliders or bowlers, as a result of the academy and father-son system, a few anomalies have been thrown up. Western Bulldogs, who finished seventh, were able to access the first pick, despite 11 teams finishing behind them. Sydney were able to access two picks in the top five without having to trade any players or picks. In fact, five of the top 25 selections, or 20% of the selections in total, 
in the top 25 resulted in matched bids. Is the draft too compromised? I think it is. Well, I don't, I don't think it is. I, I think um, because a lot of those, a lot of those picks there are, are trades from other, the trading picks between clubs. And, no, no, uh, no, no. The, 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 these were match bids. These were not. These, these were. Oh, the, yeah. This was yeah. the Bulldogs matching the first pick, so they they finished yeah. seventh and got first pick. To, oh, to I, a, I'd agree with you. Yeah. a player who's no, they're, they're talking a generational player, whether he is or isn't. Um, you know, he's obviously a, a very good footballer. So Adelaide have finished bottom and didn't get first pick. Yeah, Sydney have just accessed two picks in the top five without having to trade. Yeah. They had to spend some points, but they they. All they had to do, they, they actually traded picks into next year, gathered a heap of late picks this year, bundled the points up for them and plonk them on the table. So mm. effectively they get pick four and five for pick 65, 55 and 45 or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, who's to say, and this is, this is the problem with the draft, who's to say that those picks are going to be any good? Um yeah, you never know. But, that's, that's but, the problem. And they're all going, is, is the draft next year or the year after going to be a far better crop of players? No, no. Uh, what, what what they did was trade into next year for late picks this year because they had no need for the picks because they knew they were going to get a bid on their player. So they've actually moved into yeah. next year's draft, mm. collected late picks for those that moving this year, spent this year's draft picks. So they get to go again next year. And at, uh, probably more, your, your point about you don't know that every drafted player is going to be a gun. They're not, obviously. Well, not all drafted players. Um, but if you've got two picks in the top five, you've got a heaps better chance of at least one yeah. of them hitting yeah, exactly. than, than the others yeah. who, are, who are one. And if they miss, it's a, it's a complete bust. So maybe we should uh, declare what we thought the, the solution might be. Is it? You know, maybe the top five or top ten picks are non-touchable. So, so if you finish in the top, yep. let's say top ten or the bottom ten, if you like, or you've got the top ten picks, you cannot be matched. So then, did they, did they come out and did they come out and give a reason why they changed it this year as opposed to other years? They haven't. They haven't given a reason. No, they haven't changed it. Oh, but they have though, haven't they? Haven't they? There wasn't uh, clubs weren't allowed to come in and, and match the you know number one or, or any draft. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, no, only, no. It was only really father sons that that. Uh, no, the, the the academy's been around for a while, and um, there was some argument that um, some of the uh, northern clubs were getting an advantage over Sydney Suns. Brisbane, blah blah blah. So they Did you just say the Sydney Suns. No, Sydney, the oh. Suns, oh, yes. the Brisbane, um, and so they allocated areas to other clubs. And, and I guess the argument the AFL would try and put forward is, well, if we don't guarantee um, that the Bulldogs can get um, Jamara, Hugo Hagen, or then um, they went number one, by the way. Yeah. Um, then yeah. why would they continue to develop him? Mm. No, it's, it's interesting. It is interesting, and um, yeah, I suppose the proof's going to be in the pudding whether they're, you know, whether he's, he's going to be any good or not. And that's, that's yeah, I, I just I don't know about the draft. Uh, I, I I just I, I don't like that it's so compromised. It means, in all reality, being a hawk supporter, our dynasty probably doesn't happen. Um, we'd get Hodge. We'd probably get Roughhead. But Lance Franklin would have been at either yeah. the Dockers or West Coast. Mm. Yeah. Yep. And and so all of a sudden you get the, the teams that need that generational player to, to go back up the ladder. Um, yeah, what would this guy have meant to Adelaide or North Melbourne? You know why, actually, you know why Kel's angry? Because Braden Campbell was 
selected by the Swans or match he matched Hawthorne's bid for him. Yeah, we'll get we'll get all right with we'll we'll get all right with John. Oh, John Denver. <laughs> Denver Granger Barrows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just yeah, quick, I, I oh, good old country I boy. What it does just just before we leave that one, it uh, yeah, it forces clubs to try mature good, you know, to try and nurture good talent. Which I mean, that's that I think is a good thing. Um, yeah, so it's it's more than just the players that the clubs pick. It's more than just you know, think, you know if they need good football departments, they need good recruiters, but they need you know. Good, uh, you know, people that are out there nurturing the kids that are out there. Do, do, do you reckon? Do you re- how much do you reckon it's development, and how much is pure talent? Because I, I reckon it's mainly you. You just got dumbass lucky that Lance Franklin was in your area, or Jamara Hugo Hagen was in your area, because they were going to be good footballers, r- regardless of whether. I mean, who put the development into Lance Franklin? No one really. But it would be. Yeah. It'd be in your best interest, though, to have good development programs that make sure you catch those guys as they come through and don't slip into another region. And that happens. All go and play basketball yeah, or cricket or something like that. Yeah. yeah, do you reckon, I mean, the NFL and the NBA, and to my knowledge, the NHL, do not have academies or the ability to match bids? <laughs> well, they you do have the ability. Cash wise, <laughs> it's, it's all about money. That's right. That's they do right. in the the EPL though, don't they? In soccer, they would. Yeah, and and, and in fairness, <laughs> there is another part of the, and and this actually probably doubles the problem when I think about it. Not not helps it. There's another part of the draft that's compromised in in restricted free agency and free agency, which is allowing movement outside of the draft system. So there's movement that can occur, and, and unfortunately. What that does, that movement in, in that space seems to go to the um, better teams because players are willing to take less for mm-hmm. for a flag. So if you if you get if you get the the teams down the bottom aren't getting access to the the top quality players because they're tied to academies or father sons, father sons I get, um, but if they're tied to academy and then the better teams are able to trade free agents. It makes that climb back up the ladder even harder. You'll have the same issue we have in in the NRL and the same issue we have in society where the rich will get better and the poor will get worse. North Melbourne's an example of that. Who's going to want to go there unless they get really high money, which means they can't get a a high number of selection or people to transfer there, whereas someone like Geelong can attract for people for less and they can get more of them and then become dominant for longer. It's not really a fair system if that happens. No, that, that that's the point of uh, it being compromised. So it's almost like they're not paying. They should have to be uh, a minimum value that they get have to be paid. And I know they enforce something like that in the NRL because um, you can't. You know, if your value is say four hundred thousand minimum, you can't. You know, they can't come in at a hundred like something Bill Williams did. He played two. He played two games. No, no, but if he had. Played all season and wanted to be paid a hundred thousand. They wouldn't have let him. No, but they let Gaznier do it in two thousand ten yeah, and come back and won a premiership. Yeah, that was wrong as well. I think that's cha- that's talk why they changed the rule. Talk about Patrick Cripps going back west next year. So you know, West Coast would be an obvious candidate to pick him up, given that they're in a premiership window at the moment. Uh, and Carlton, no. devastating, but uh, not quite yet. But is Western Bulldogs in the window now? Yeah, they've got the number one pick um, as well Trelaw. as Trelaw. I think they they could be. They, they yeah, well yeah. they played finals this year. Um, yeah. Further, further no. development in Norton, um, English, Bonapelli's a star. Yeah, they they could be dangerous. Very much, and so. they they kept on to Dunkley. Kept yeah. hold of Dunkley. Yep. 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 yep, yep, yep. And they got uh, what's his name from Yulmont, Yeah, um, yeah Trelaw. Trelaw. We mentioned him. Trelaw. I've yep. moved on from him. I don't yeah. talk about him anymore. <laughs> hey, uh, oh, he just pays the wage bill. Before we get off uh, uh, the AFL, Eddie Maguire announced that he will resign at the end of next year as well mm-hmm. as chairman of the mm-hmm. club. What's that flying across the top out there? 
Are they, flag. Pigs? Are they pigs flying? No, he will. He'll, he'll, stand he'll, be, he'll find a way to stay. I think, yeah, that might be a sign of changes needed. He, he's done a good job, Eddie. I reckon he's done a good job for Collingwood. Yeah, he has, he has done a good job. I, I see the other news in the AFL, which is uh, sad news, but uh, uh, Buckley and uh, Hardwick both uh, uh, separated from their wives, and I wonder if that's got something to do with the, oh, yeah. the pressure of being an AFL coach. Um, because there is a lot of pressure on, obviously, uh, you know, probably the most pressure job in the AFL uh, for those guys running up to the media every week and obviously had to take the toll on the family life. So I uh, mm-hmm. wonder whether that's got anything to do with it. Being a player could be said the same. And, and I guess, I mean, I, I feel sorry. I, ho- I hope for both the Buckley and Hardwick families have... have Made the decision in the best interest of their family, the kids, and and everyone, and it's all good for them. Not not trying to have a go at anyone, but is it is it just society reflected, and a certain percentage will, mm. possibly. Oh, I think that that's part of it, but yeah, I think there's more pressure on those on, on that that uh, occupation than than a lot of others. There's no two ways about that. That's who was it coming out and wanted. Um, some more. I don't know if it wasn't Clarko wanted more training around coaches, yeah, and more mental health assistance, yeah, and teach them how to deal yep. with it. Teach yeah. others how to deal with you know others being notified that they are that their friends got mental health issues. You know that sort of black dog training. We're actually doing some with our organisation now, so that we you know if we see or hear we we know how to better deal with it. Not just with the kids we work with, but the adults that are around us as well. It's interesting. It's an important thing. Mm. And, and seriously, um, and not to take the mickey out of it, you guys don't feel the pressure with the podcast each week? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only pressure that, that comes on, Kel, is when your segment comes on. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. As to what, you, what you're going to come up with next. Yeah, I felt the pressure when we were talking about, um, what was it? The thing up the leg, what was it called? Oh, ferret league. Ferret league. That's it. Yeah. Ferret league. Yeah, so, in the end, hey. I, I thought that might have been Kill's highlight of the year, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be close. Seeing uh, Cotto do it would be my highlight of the year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, what about the NRL? Um, we had Addo Carr announce that he signed with the Bulldogs from next year onwards. Uh, the Bulldogs he, just keep every signing. other Australian yeah, player. Anyone that comes on the books at the moment yeah. to, to the dogs, <laughs> where we want them. Because we'll clean house next year, that's all right. Uh, no salary cap. <laughs> there is a salary cap. We actually had $3 million that we haven't spent, so we were able to use that on top it's of our a salary. salary cap. beanie. It keeps stretching. <laughs> Sombrero. <laughs> uh, so, Cotto, what, what does that mean for the dogs? Does that mean that they can find the ladder of hell a lot quickly? Because I remember you saying a few podcasts ago that the dogs are five years away from the flag. They seem to have done a hell of a lot of recruiting after that. Yeah, it's getting shorter by the day. <laughs> it might be three years no. now. No, it's probably three or four yeah. years. Yeah. Um, so they'll get out of car. They've got Kotrick. Let's just assume they just play wing. Uh, they're probably two of the, you know, they're both in the state team. So then you were until they went to Canterbury. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> if they keep Hopawati, they get this um, Matt Burton and he comes through and they keep Flanagan and he comes through. They've got a reasonable back line. They probably still need some more outside backs, I think. And then their forwards will hold their own. It's whether or not they're still up to the elite level. They got rid of Tolman. Yeah, that was a good decision. And Trent Barrett's bringing his own furniture this time? (laughs) It's Trent Barrett, that's right. He doesn't have to worry about it at the Bulldogs, mate. We're well resourced. Uh, Also in news, quite interestingly, Jack DeBellin and Jared Haynes both had their sexual assault court cases in the same way, with juries unable to deliver a verdict and therefore the DPP must now make a decision on retrials. This could mean that DeBellin is forced to miss three years in his prime under the NRL's no-fault stand-down rule and the Dragons have vowed to stand by DeBellin, although they're not going to pay him any more money. He's off contract. Yep. Mm. And um, also uh, I read that uh, the players... Association Union, whatever they're called, are going to also challenge this in court. They are. They're, they're running a case against the it. no-fault stand-down rule against the NRL. Yeah. Both yeah. parties are confident they'll win. You, you get why they do it, You get and you get why the the – because the, the players are uh, innocent until proven guilty, so 
it, it seems very unfair to destroy a career of an innocent man. Mind you, they're not challenging over that. But they're challenging over the fact they weren't consulted. Not the fact that it's implemented. It's how it was done. You get why the NRL did it, because... Oh, there's <laughs> lots of turmoil at that stage. Yeah, I mean... we Publicity-wise, the game was in trouble. It, it's actually been not too bad this off-season. I'm trying to think. Been a few, them. Yeah, AFL, oh yeah, it'll come after Christmas. Mm. A few beers over the break. Um, yeah, with all the bubble stuff, you'd think they'd be going bananas. Mm. It'll be Jared Mayne. Did he officially retire from the NRL? Did no one pick him up? No, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think no one picked him up. Yeah. No one picked him up. So it's a big fall from Bryce from one of his early 30s. Would that be correct? Yeah, 31, I think. 31, 32. He should, he should still be playing in the, the NRL. Yeah, but should never have left the NRL and went to the NFL. The moment he went back there, his NRL year was over. Oh, his career was over. He never came back the same player. No, he came yeah. back and went to the Gold Coast, which were a bit of a basket case at the time. But he was overweight. Like He, was, he wanted to play fullback. He was too heavy for yeah. it. He, he, the training's different. Yep. There's more power over there where it's more endurance here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't think you've ever recovered, to be honest. Also, mate, while you're away, we'll talk about this in a little bit later, but the, uh, the NRL brought in 10 new rule changes for next year. We'll talk about that in a sec. Kel's already throffing at the mouth. So, <laughs> um, The Australian Merit Team was also announced. I don't even know what this is, but anyway, I'll go through it. Um, uh in the absence of the normal end of season, oh, I see, international schedule, the ARL Commission named a merit team. The team was selected by Laurie Daly. Well, that says everything. Mal Meningra and Darren Lockett, that says that. Mm-hmm. It was supposedly the team that would have been picked to play for Australia. And Why wouldn't they get the selectors to pick it? Well, maybe they are the selectors Well, they now. were in trouble. Um, anyway, notably, Cleary was in front of Cherry Evans, and, and even though... Uh, Cherry Evans won the, the battle for the state of origin. White was picked out of position again. Uh, Pappenhausen's named on the bench despite not featuring in state of origin while well, he was injured. So Tedesco's no, Pappenhausen fullback. wasn't injured. Yeah, he was, except for the last game. Yeah. Okay. So Tedesco was fullback. Adokar was wing with Gagai and Whiten and Tupu on the. Well, Daniel Tupu, he would have played for Australia. Oh, absolutely. And uh, Samoa. He would have played one half for Australia and one half for Samoa. <laughs> uh, Munster 5'8", Cleary, Papali, Cook, Christian Welch. Oh, my God. Cordner, Kafusi, Murray, Pappenhausen, Haas, Crichton, and the Tino, Big Tino. <laughs> Big <that>. Tino, yeah. <laughs> Didn't want to pronounce the name, did we? No, not this time of day. Uh, what, who, who do you think would take White and Spot if he's picked out of position? Oh. Clint Gustafson. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why not pick another one out of position? Well, who, who, nah. I mean, who's the other Queenslander, maybe? Yeah, I'm trying to think centres at the moment. Um, I think I'd play for Australia. Yeah. Um, it's, it highlights a problem in the centres. For all, for, right for across Australia. the league. Across the league. There's not that many strike centres that, that are Australian, anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm happy with the Roosters' centres. Yeah, Manu is not Ma- Australian in the last week. No, no, and... Um, Josh Morris goes all right. And he's about 40. Yeah, but he still goes all right. <laughs> all right. Another team logo Latrell, fails. Latrell, there, there you go. Needs a fullback. Mm. Allegedly. Uh, did, was, did I miss anything? No, that's it. Uh, another team logo falls. So, Axel, I don't know if you've heard this. Uh, Washington football team in the NFL uh, dropped their Redskins name recently and now the Cleveland Indians, synonymous names in sport, world sport, have announced they'll be dropping their name from the 2022 season. They're going to... Uh, uh, the famous logo of Chief Wahoo with the comical big nose and teeth will be no more. They've been referred to the Indians as the Indians since 1915. And Kel has this question. Is this a good thing? What is the criteria for an acceptable or unacceptable team mascot? How many more teams should we consider changing their name? For example, there is, Kel. So, um, yeah, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs, the reigning NFL champions, who um, who could be up. The Atlanta Braves, 
in the Major League Baseball, Chicago Blackhawks in the NHL, Waikato Chiefs, although I think they're just known as the Chiefs these days in Super Rugby, New Zealand Warriors, Canberra Raiders having a crack at Vikings, um, the Melbourne Demons could uh, upset a few religious types, and the Magpies, should they be allowed to use toothless vagrants to represent their club? Uh, good one, good one. I, I think their logo should be uh, probably Jopper on the on the on the logo with no teeth. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, no, that's most of their supporters. So, so when where where do we start? And where do we stop? Um, I'm not I'm not sure where I sit on on this one. I I do. You don't want logos that cause offence, but. You could probably find a fence in a, you know, are we going to have Peter, the, the you know, animal saving people, not wanting roosters or bulldogs as logos? Mm. Where, what, What's an acceptable logo? Why are, I guess it's to understand why are they offensive. Yeah, well, that with, the, with uh, who did you say, Chief Wahoo. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Has anyone complained? They must like have. As, as yeah, no. Apparently, of the Indian they they have uh, over a little while. That yeah, that they have. So yeah, there must have been. Otherwise, you know, they wouldn't be making that decision. That's for sure. Because it's massive. They're taking twelve months to figure out what the next logo is going to look like. What the team name is going to be. Mm. I, I loved. It. I I I'm not an Indian fan, but I had an Indians T-shirt when I was younger. I just thought it was the coolest logo ever. And Major League Baseball. Um, Major League, the movie. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very much at the well, centre of that. But could New York Yankees be offensive? It surely would be. Well, it could well be. You're um, one of the biggest names in the world sport. And you're talking, and, and I mean, even this year we've seen, I think it was this year with the um, NASCAR racing, the hullabaloo over the Confederate flag, mm. and whether you could or couldn't use it. Um, Especially in a divided country like America at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So. How do we go about what's decide what what's fair and what's not fair? Who decides it? Uh, I think it's, it's nearly in the too hard basket to be honest. Oh. I think I think it's just gone too far. Uh, you know, those logos have been around for you know, over a hundred years or however long it's been. Um, yeah, it's just you know, I, I just think it's crazy to be honest. It's a bit like the Coon Cheese. Yeah, um, yeah, which, which know, was actually I, I a name. Think, I see no offence in that at all. But, no, um, I agree, you know, but no, you don't. But someone yeah. else might. But if if um, if you had uh, say the Georgia clan and their logo was a, 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 a white topped <coughs> peaked, mask, I just choked on my beer. <laughs> would would that 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 clearly wouldn't be acceptable? Um, but if it if it had been around for sixty years, does that make it acceptable? Well, the, the problem is that you think you're going to come up with different names for things all the time, um, and those names that you uh, uh, you know going forward, and, and all of a sudden now you've got to, to scrap them. Now that's the same as the coon cheese one, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I agree. Um, you know, so, you can go through and say, right, all these things, now we're going to scrap them. But if then names come up and, and people give nicknames, uh, uh, whether it's Cheeks or whether it's uh, Bit like the Cheese or whatever it is. Chico, um, Chico Lollies. Mm. Gollywood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, you can't, and so you can't have a, a Chico Lolly anymore um, because well, of the name. But does that mean we've got to stop creating black jelly babies or redskins or you know um, pink chewy bars or it? So maybe maybe, and, maybe and people can just consult us. <laughs> <laughs> we we can run a a, a, a quick uh, poll amongst our fans. <laughs> All fifty-eight of them. And the other one was the you know the the bags. The, um, oh, yeah, you know, the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can imagine how, how that would go down. Mm. A logo. Yeah, and, that, and, you have the, 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 the Canterbury Bankstown fags. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. So they had to change the bags to fags. Yeah. They did. Yeah, yeah you, you're talking about those musk 
cigars, yeah. cigarette things. Cigarette oh, the little white packets yeah. you used to get, yeah. Well, they should have been banned years yeah, what, ago. They're lo- after all, they were encouraging yeah. cigarettes. And so what, what, what name came around first? Was it fag related to cigarettes or was it fag relating to someone's uh, gender preference? Well, read, read, a book, preference. read a book from the 30s and gay means happy. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. But they've had to outlaw that because someone came up and called fag something to do with uh, someone's uh, sexual preference. Yeah. Just on uh, just on names, I believe Kerry has plenty for Graham Kelly and has created many over the years. <laughs> Some of the above mentioned used. Hey, um, just hold tight for a sec, Axel. Kel's uh, quiz and inappropriate quiz. sports and slander sections about no, to kick no, off. No, no, this is not that far from inappropriate. In fact, for you, pair, I ran across another COVID victim this this um, this year, but um, this was the sport. Probably outside of ferret legging and swinging, that I thought you two would be suited to perfectly. It's it's actually quite a big sport. You'd be surprised. The beer mile. <laughs> already, we're open to it. The beer mile. We're already open to the opportunity. You drink a twelve ounce beer, run four hundred meters. Drink a twelve ounce beer, run four hundred meters. I'll just pull up. Drink a, <laughs> drink a twelve ounce beer, run four hundred meters. Drink another twelve ounce beer and run four hundred meters. The beer's got to be greater than five percent alcohol volume, <laughs> and you must complete an extra lap if you have a bit of an upchuck. <laughs> but seriously, this this is you guys down to a T. The, the um, it's huge in the US. They've got a website, beermile.com, where you can track events, competitors down to their choice of beer in each race, video links. The current um, the current world record holder, he was 22 when he said it, <laughs> Corey Bellamore, Canadian. Beer mile, so remember he's sculling four beers in this, four minutes 33. Wow. He, he drank Flying Monkeys, a Canadian craft brewer. In um, set it in 2017 in San Francisco. He currently holds the three fastest time ever. That's basically four skewies and a four minute mile. Mm-hmm. That's um, yeah. The the best Aussie, Josh Harris, twentieth in the world, four fifty one thirty three in 2016 in an event in Launceston, set on Molson Canadian beer. The, Common um, theme here, yeah. The best woman, Erin O'Mara, US, six minutes and eight seconds in Austin, Texas, 2015. They, they actually have events for this stuff. <laughs> um, and Lance Armstrong, Lance Armstrong had a crack in 2014, um, but he quit after his second beer. So your most popular beers, Budweiser, Pabst Blue, Risen, Rib, Pabst Blue Ribbon and Miller's. No Aussie beers in the top 12. Miller's so, is a light anyway, isn't it? No, nah, but well, lo- American strength. light beer is light in calories. It's mm. full strength in – it's oh, got to be over 5% to, yeah, yeah, to be in. Right. So mm. that is something for you guys to work on over the Christmas New Year break. There is a there is an Australian version. It's called Pub Golf. Have you heard of that? So you, the, yeah. the, the par score might be, say, three beers at a pub or two beers, and if you go over that, in the time allowed, twenty minutes, say, you go, you get one under. So if you want two under, and people do this, they skull three and four beers in a twenty-minute lot, and then they go under par. And so by the end of the night, though, they might come back to par because they get less beers. It's actually an interesting game. Don't get past the, so the ninth hole. Maybe we mm. maybe we could have a game of pub golf while we do uh, a podcast during twenty twenty one. And see how we go by the end of the uh, third or fourth pub. Yeah. See what the, uh, yeah. See what the podcast sounds like. Yes, that um, that could be very interesting. Could be could <laughs> be the slurry. last podcast ever. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, hey, tell me, guys, a couple of quick questions for you. What do all these have in common? The first game Shaq and Kobe played against each other. Um. The Heat Lakers in 2004, because they'd only played together at the Lakers up until then. Um, uh, Dwayne Wade led uh, the Heat to a, So, first game, Shaq and Kobe played against each other. 1971, Kansas City 
Chiefs and Miami Dolphins play the longest NFL game ever. Three hours, 22 minutes. Um, Finishes seven minutes, 20 into the second overtime. 1971, the California Golden Seals beat LA Kings 3-1 in the NHL. 2008, the Boston Lakers, uh, the Boston Lakers, the LA Lakers beat Boston Celtics for Phil Jackson's 1,000th career win. And 1933, Frank Click upsets Kid Chocolate for the junior lightweight title. What do they all have in common? Yes. Kid Chocolate being Allegio Sardinius. Axel? I've got no idea, Kel. No idea at all. Think about the time of year. So the They're all, all on the same day, are they? Yes, they were. So the NBA all one. On the same day. They're all on Christmas Day. Yeah. Christmas there Day. Yeah. There you go. Hey, just uh, I, I know I'm over overindulging here, but I we Get did the, time. We, we, we did the bowlers <laughs> the other week. Uh, uh, the batsmen the other week. So uh, bowlers, most Test wickets. Uh, the chucker. Yeah, eight hundred yeah. run outs. At twenty-two, hey, um, what you say? I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. Stolen straight off Kerry O'Keefe, <laughs> um, and uh, Shane Warne second at uh, seven hundred and eight. Mm. Hey, um, and I tell you, I was listening to cricket on the way down to Mildura yesterday. Um, Shane Warne ranks about high twenties for. Uh, Test players with the in terms of strike rate mm. over seventy five wickets. McGill's in front of him in the fast bowlers. Jimmy Anderson's got the most uh, at six hundred, but Glenn McGrath has five hundred and sixty three at twenty one point six four. Better average than Warren, uh, better strike rate than Warren. Less um, personality. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, best figures in an innings. By the way, Cummins is at 21 right now too. Yeah, he, he, Cummins is an awesome bowler. That, that's a good attack we've got at the moment. Best figures in innings. Most uh, of, did, Hazelwood, did Hazelwood just bowl? Did he have five for 11 or five for 10? Five Cummins for eight. Yeah, five, five for eight, eight. Yeah, yeah, today, yeah. <laughs> uh, someone's probably taken nine wickets, have they? Two blokes have taken 10. Yep. 10, the... Uh, Jim Laker, um, Australia versus England, Manchester 956, and Anil Kumble, India, Pakistan, Delhi 1999. Spin bowling in Kumble. India. Late, no, yeah, la- lefty, yeah. I think, from memory, isn't he? Kumble. No, I think Kumble was right. Oh, okay. Could, could be wrong. Laker was swing. Laker backed that uh, that up with nine for 37 in the second year. Oh, wow. Jesus. Yeah, the best. He's obviously got the best match figures. Yeah, 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 yeah. 19. Yeah. Wow. Yep, uh, best bowling average, uh, G.A. Lohman from England, 112 wickets at 10.75. But if you look at the bowlers, all the ones around the turn of the century have got outstanding averages because they were playing on uncovered wickets. Yeah, yeah. So you get done on sticky. Most Michelles. Most Michelles, what's that mean? What is the question? You don't know what a Michelle is? No idea. A Pfeiffer. Oh, okay. Why do they say that? A Pfeiffer. Probably Murley. Yep. Followed by Warren being top two wicket takers. Next one. Is it an interesting one? Uh, I imagine it's not a spin bowler. No, it's not, uh, actually. Richard Hadley. How did you come up with that? Well yeah, done. Yeah, well done. You've been you uh, you've been he, you snuck he, a look last week when I had it ready and we didn't get was, going. I was gonna say old. He was pretty wasn't. dominant. He was pretty dominant, particularly against there you are. What about not, what about the big big guys from uh, West Indies? None of them. No, no. Wow. No. Yeah, yeah they Richard. Were, they were taking they were taking wickets off one another. That was the problem. Yeah, yeah Hadley, true. So dominant in that side. Mm. Um, yeah, he, 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 unless he got five, they weren't going to pick. Yeah. Right. The biggest bunnies. I'll, I'll just tell you these. McGrath got Atherton 19 times in his career. Yeah. So Atherton's the biggest bunny ever. He's also the third biggest bunny ever. Curtly oh, Ambrose right. got him 17 times. Wow. Not, and he was a Ambrose good got a lot of people, though. Yeah. <laughs> Atherton was a good batsman. Yeah. 
Just not against those guys. This one, this one surprised me, guys. How many players have taken a wicket with the first ball of their test career? Oh, wow. I don't know. Three. Three? What's your guess, Axel? None. 20. Wow. 20. 20. The very first ball. Nathan Lyon was the last Aussie. Wow. There you go. Mm. Tell you what, Hazelwood got. uh, It is a lot, yeah. Hazelwood's got a heap on his second ball. um, Like, he does it regularly, apparently. I saw he did it today. Second ball of the innings, you know. Yeah. Second ball of his his bowling, or even first ball. But um, the other thing was uh, Cummins has got Virat Coley a lot. To watch that space in you know, the yeah. next few years. Yeah. I know. So we, we're up to, uh, we're going to have a look at these uh, NRL rules real quickly, Axel. So the six again rule, Kel loves this one. So that was brought in uh, earlier this year, obviously, just after COVID hit to speed the game up. And uh, it basically just stops any of the Roosters players uh, attempting to slow the play of the ball down. There's also the new rule they brought in is a two points for a field goal that's kicked outside the 40-metre line uh, to encourage more unstructured play and increase the chances of a result changing the final moments of a game. But that that six, that uh, six again rule is actually not just one they brought in. Now they're doing it for the defensive line as well. What do you mean? So if there's a 10-metre infringement. Yes. Oh, yes, that's right. Which was... It comes up at the next one. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so the... Yeah, two points for a field goal. What do you reckon about that? I mean, how many field goals have been kicked from 40 in the last 20 years? I reckon a troll kicked one for the Roosters, but that was because we were stuck there and we couldn't get up the field. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it had nothing to do with the fact it was two points. It was just a dumb rule. I mean, what what if you're that far out, what's the great percentage? A field goal or throwing it around and maybe getting a try? Yeah. Um, probably exact, that's, that's exactly killer. And people want to see more tries and more open play. They don't want field goals 40 metres out. No. They're they, certainly in the rugby edge. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's ex- they got rid of the two-point field goal because yeah, Eric Sims was kicking too many back in, the, in yeah. the bloody late 60s. Yeah. Exactly. He used to kick 50 and 60 yeah. metres. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I just Johnny don't Wilson, think... Johnny Wilkinson's going to come out of retirement <laughs> and play yeah. rugby league now. No, he can't tackle. That happen. But... Um, no, I just don't, I just don't think anyone's going to do it. No, I really don't. No. Next year it'll be if you hop on your right leg two times and your left leg once, then throw two passes. If you can, you can then kick it from fifteen meters out, and it'll be worth two and a half. <laughs> it just leave the game alone. So the six again, realise Kel yeah. rightly points out, is also now going to be applied to ten meter infringements. Mm-hmm. So to re- to reduce stoppages in the game, the ten meter infringement penalties will be replaced with a six again ruling. Referees maintain the ability to blow a penalty and sin bin a player if a side has made repeated infringements uh, in that 10-metre space or in the case of professional fouls. The six-again rule uh, provide a sufficient deterrent for roosters who purposely sought a penalty to slow the game down during previous years. The rule was trialled in two games during round 20 of this last season. The result will, uh, this will result you know, faster game, less stoppages and more free-flowing action for fans, allegedly. The the ref couldn't c- take control of the defensive Judy line this year because he's so busy looking at the ruck to call a six again in there. Every team was offside half the game this year. They literally were leaving early every tackle. Mm-hmm. How the hell is the ref going to look after the ruck with the six again being so important and game-changing and then look after the 10-metre line as well? With only the one ref, it's well, just. I know they never kept the roosters back all year. <laughs> it it is game management, the the For the loss of. No, the the ability for referee to manage a team in and out of a game is just uh, enormous now. I well, mean, all the loss of it altogether, loss of control. Yeah, who, who, who sits on the rules committee? Yeah, two guys from oh, one in particular, Luke Keary. He must be blind, or he had concussion the day he went in. Uh, there's so also that, that Wayne commi- Bennett. That committee was only like formed a couple of weeks ago, so that they already had this in there. Yeah. There, yeah, this, this is a bit like um, at least I felt a bit more consultative. But um, yeah, this is this is straight from that, the commission. This is saying that they may have circulated this previously among players that are old people that are on that committee. We don't know for sure. It, it reeks to me of Valandis, um 
and and he with with racing New South Wales, he's done a magnificent job because it was in the doldrums. Mm. It was done and it is dusted. Yeah. He's brought in the Golden Eagle, the um, what's the the other the big one, the Everest. Yeah, um, Everest. So he's done fantastic. But league wasn't busted. Did it need a few tweaks? Yeah, maybe, but it wasn't busted. Um, maybe it was on the slide. We didn't know. Numbers are down. Viewers are down. This year, yeah, but this year is when they brought in all these rule changes. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I, I get. No, I think it's no one liked the wrestle. Um, I think so TV numbers have been sliding for a while because of live streaming. Doing something so. about that, but yeah, yeah the, the requirement to speed it up is, is and and. These next changes you're going to talk about are just going to turn it into touch football. So scrums, uh, the to increase the integrity of scrums, <laughs> I don't believe this. The referee, this is the the script that uh, the NRL put out. So to increase the integrity of scrums, the referee will call break <laughs> when he or she is satisfied the ball is out of the scrum. Roosters players will not be permitted to break from the scrum until the referee makes the call. The Roosters players should be able to make the call. Why do they? <laughs> Where players break before the call of break, the referee will award a full penalty. The Roosters players are receiving the penalty. The Roosters receiving the penalty will also have the option of repacking the scrum. Oh, I got that wrong. If the scrum is repacked and players again break early, a further penalty will be awarded. One of the offending players will be sent to the sin bin. This has been in place for ages. They've been saying break forever. They yeah. still break early and they do nothing about it. And Why will this change? So it's now they're discriminating against deaf players? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> oh, fair dinkum. They should have a crack at the NRL. I, I played um, relatively well, high level referees. volleyball. we've got Why not? High level volleyball with a, a guy who was deaf. Yeah. And he, he, he found ways to work around. He had to watch and they used uh, – I didn't play with him. I played against him. But they used hand signals to communicate um, a lot of stuff. And – he, he was a very good player. If you're deaf, you can now not play NRL. It's interesting. Yeah. Or you certainly you can't know, play in the forwards. It's probably been a problem for a while, though, because every uh, – what's the referee say? Joe, oh, Cameron, get off him now or whatever. So this has been going on for ages. Referee talking to the players uh, the, this way. Yeah. The, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't. So it wouldn't, it's not any worse, it's just not any better. Anyway, we'll keep moving because we've got another six to go, boys. Six again, do you like that? Um, play the ball restart after after a ball or play a fine touch. So when the ball's kicked out or carried into touch, uh, play will, will, will resume with a play the ball rather than a scrum. This was a trial in two games during the final round of last season. Well, that makes it all the better. What do you think about this Again, one? touch football. Yeah, it's speeding the game up too much. Mm. The only time you're going to have a scrum now is a knock-on. If, if you don't want scrums that much, you want to speed up, why, why even have it? And a later rule change about um, play the ball, um, yeah, which you'll you get yeah. to in a sec, is all about keeping tradition in the game, presumably, and then they're throwing the scrum out of the game, which is, I, I quite like the scrums. <laughs> the fact they're not contested anymore doesn't worry me, but it puts six people in one place on the field, so it opens up the field a lot. Yeah, I think we discussed this previously, or maybe offline, we talked about you can now put the this scrum could, anywhere on the field, yeah. you know, in three or four different places, which gives you opportunity to cr- be created from a scrum. Correct. This this could actually backfire because you just line your 13 guys out across mm. the field. Mm. So the defence is actually ready and set. They're relying on the fact that maybe the team can get up and get the play the ball fast enough. Yeah. But you've got to give the team time to get back on side, so just like a 20-metre tap. It's like the 40-20 rule. That was brought in, they said, oh, this will f- f- speed it up, but now you've got to wait for the yep. defence to get back yep. before you can tap the ball? Yeah. Why? Is, well, no, I agree. Otherwise, it's touch footy. Like, Well, what's the purpose of it? It's, just like, the ball it's a bit or? like cricket where they've, they've forgotten bowling is an important part of the game. Mm. Defensive battles like Harrigan versus Carroll. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see them anymore. They were sickening, <laughs> but they were great. Well, to watch. well, tell me, would, would tell me, Kel, if it's an interesting point you bring up, um, guys like that. I mean, Harrigan was reasonably quick, but is the big prop forward that's not that's a bit slower? He doesn't get a game anymore, does he? No. Nope. The, the way that they've quickened the game up, yeah. yep. he'll be offside all the bloody time. Yep. Matthew Lodge no, is a perfect example. Yep. Matthew Lodge. Um, you know, for all his off 
field demons, but on the field a couple of years ago, he was you know he come on really well as a as a prop forward. But now the game's sped up so fast, he doesn't have the lateral agility that the others do. In saying that, yeah. how does a Hargraves or a Gallon or Will they manage in in this this? He's game? currently playing now. Yeah, I, I don't know that. He, um, this will make it even worse for him. And I'm not sure I love that much. Uh, yeah, so other rules are for incorrect play the ball, a handover will be ordered rather than a, um, I don't know whatever, what the rule was, penalty or something. But uh, all this does is make it messy. Everyone knows when they play no, fumbles that re- they never hand Read it the over. rule though. A handover will be ordered when players do not make a genuine attempt to play the ball with their foot. Yeah. So they don't have to touch it with their foot. They've just got to make a genuine Looks attempt. Like mm. So now you've got refs. But that's the current what, rule, what, though. But you got refs deciding what's genuine and what's not. Mm. That is the rule now, though. That's the same rule. No. The, the difference is... It's the, the handover. Yeah, that's the only difference. So either they touch it with their foot or they don't. Not a ref determining that, oh, yeah, he really did try, or I don't think he did well, try. Well, the problem that's is you can't stupid. be sure, 100% sure they have touched it. No, that's, but if you think they've touched it, fine. Mm. Let it go. yeah. If they didn't hand over, it. not that's what the rule not, is though. Not I know he didn't touch it, but he sort of made an attempt because he pushed his foot backwards. Um, uh. Captain's challenge rule. So in cases where a captain's challenge review is inconclusive, the on-field decision will stand, but the Roosters will retain their challenge. Or sorry, the teams will retain their challenge. Fans have expressed frustration with teams losing a challenge when. Where replays prove inconclusive, this will ensure a greater opportunity for teams to have challenges available later in match. I actually agree with this rule. It was, there's a couple of ambiguous ones where it wasn't actually inconclusive either way, but they lost it. It's like they can't be sure, but because you've challenged it and you're not right, you're, you're losing it. But we yeah. can't be sure you weren't right. A bit like what they've done with the, the cricket ones where uh, an up-wise call, you retain your challenge. Yeah, I think that's the right decision. That was an easy one. Bunker reviews where the on-field referee believes a try is scored. The referee will award a try and the bunker will review the decision in the background. A conversion attempt will not be permitted until the bunker is satisfied a try has been scored. Uh, this will ensure less stoppage time and ensure momentum in the game. Well, I actually think this is a good idea as well. I so where the on-field referee believes a try is scored, the bunker will try and find a reason why it wasn't. Disprove it. But they already do that. They send them upstairs. Oh, I might be right. I, I think I'm right, but, you know. Let the referees make the decisions and the bunkers in the background. But they're going to review every try, which <laughs> I agree. Having a quick look like, at it, but they're like not going to let the cricket, though, they're not going to let the conversion attempt <clears throat> until the bunker is satisfied. The try scored, so they're going to be rocking and rolling on every try. Yeah, but in the background, it might happen while they're celebrating, and then by the time the player goes back to kick, they've already made the decision. You seen how right fast they bunker makes a decision? Yeah. They'll be outstripping the NFL for Well, well what they're saying is it normally takes, after they stop, five minutes. This way it'll be five, only two and a half yeah. minutes. Um, <laughs> trainers, where a trainer's asked a match fish, uh, asked a match fish to stop the game for an injury, the injured player must be either interchanged or taken off the field for at least two minutes. Uh, well, that's time before he's permitted to resume his place on the field. This will reduce the number of stoppages for minor injuries. Kind of think that's a good rule too. Oh, I, I, I did too. Um, I thought that was ten. I've only got eight. Anyway, that'll do. Weekly wager, Kel. Who you got your money on? Rightio. We're going to the NFL this week. You remembering this, Axel? Because you got to put it on. No, Kel's going to have to text it to me. All right. I'll I'll organise it. Um, we're going to the NFL, and we're going to have the. Baltimore Ravens to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Tennessee Titans or into the Tennessee Titans to beat the Detroit Lions, into the LA Rams to beat the woeful, woeful New York Jets, and the Pittsburgh Steelers to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, watch that space. So we're, we're, we're looking at a dollar fifty-six. What if we win? <laughs> no, that's the odds. <laughs> so I'll pay dollar fifty six all up. Yeah, <laughs> for four victories you were making dollar fifty six. There should be more yeah. in that. It's like winning the lottery. Seriously. 
Anyway, we'll see how that goes. Um, watch that space. We'll, we'll announce it after Christmas. So, got any uh, Christmas wishes or New Year's resolutions, Axel, that you want to tell the, the listeners? Oh, look, probably just take the three grains of the mic on the road and uh, do one of those beer miles with you two and then, uh, uh, then jump on and do the podcast the next day and uh, yeah, tell, the, uh, tell the audience of, uh, yeah, what, uh, who won and who's got bragging rights. I, um, I like it and you know who's going to win because, you know, Cotter and I aren't going to get past beer two. Well, we're on, yeah, t- we're on two now, can you tell? No, I reckon we run it, but we run it as a handicap. <laughs> Kyle and I get push bikes. Yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. What about you, Cal? What's your, what's your New Year's or Christmas wish? Um, oh, I haven't really thought about that. Um, maybe for you guys to be nice to me next year. <laughs> no, mine, um, mine is that, um, that you, Kel, lay off Kerry. That's my New Year's resolution that you should have lay, to lay off, off Kerry. Yeah, that that's probably what mine should be. I think she deserves she, a medal for putting up with you all these years. <laughs> she is one lucky woman, and I reckon they should bring back Polly Waffles too for you. <laughs> uh, all right, that's a wrap for us for this weird old year that was twenty twenty. We've had a great time during the podcast, and look forward to being back in the new year. Kel, thanks to all our lo- loyal listeners out there, and we really want to appreciate. Uh, someone that's been listening. Who is that? Yeah, called? we we do have a fan. He's a champion bloke, and the fact that he listens to us means he's got a lot of resilience. Um, <laughs> Katie Rigon, thank you for listening in. Yeah, and uh, we appreciate your support. We hope you all have a happy and safe festive season, and don't forget to like us on Facebook. And please stay away from COVID. Thanks for listening to Three Grams in a Mic podcast. Don't forget to connect with them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.